Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Luisha Dixon. Hello, my name is uh, Luisha Dixon. I am a middle school 7th and 8th grade teacher in the wonderful state of uh, Georgia. Um, I've been teaching a total of 15 years. Uh, 10 of those years, I've worked in special education. And out of those 10 years, eight years, I worked in severe and profound. Um, I am working on my doctorate in educational leadership at uh, South Carolina State University. And this year, I won an award from the Georgia Council of Social Studies um, for working with my students with social justice. And I'm trying to continue on um, that fight and get those kids to believe in the fight of social justice and its importance. Awesome. Wonderful. I would love to learn more about your public history project, Rosenwalk Schools in Central River Savannah area. I always tell people about uh, this is a passion project of mine. It actually came from a conversation um, I was having with my mother, who is 67. She went to a school that at the time was called TJ Elder Industrial School. And one of the standards that we Uh, teach for Georgia studies is about the integration of schools and civil rights. And I was asking her, I said, hey, mom, it's great that you went to a Rosenwald school. Would you come and speak to my students? She looked at me strangely and said, what is that? (laughs) I said, what do you mean? What is that? The school, the school that you went to. And she really did not have a, a clue about the background of these schools that were funded by uh, Julius uh, Rosenwald. And so as I started talking to her and family members and other members who had went to TJ Elder Industrial School, I realized that they didn't know the background about the funding and the history behind um, these schools. Um, And so I felt like it was important not only for my family and my immediate friends to know, but also my students, because I work with a population that are predominantly African-American students. And um, I felt like it was important for for them to understand the importance of education, in particular public education, and the the, the fight and the the, the struggles and the, um, the push for education in these select communities. The scope keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as a teacher, that's good. But as a person that has issues with organization, it's like, oh, my gosh, come back in. But um, I just want the kids to focus on how these rural communities or communities came together for the benefit of all. And even though the focus was on um, African-American students having access to public um, education, it helped the entire community regardless of race. People were able to develop and learn ways by having access to education to just better their community. And I, and I want the kids to feel that and, and understand it in a real world way. I want them to be able 
to look as we're analyzing these um, primary documents and, and looking at the, the actual people that went to these schools and like the, my actual mother who's coming um, to do an oral history with the kids to see that they have direct lineage to the success of those schools. And so what you do today will affect the future. And so I want these kids to be able to see that in real time and hopefully spark their interest to do something powerful as well. Will you talk a little bit about how you are using primary sources in your project? Oh, yes. The Library of Congress has uh, wonderful resources, teacher resources that are already made, but also, too, they have a database where you can find all different type of things on all different type of subjects. But in particular for Rosenwald schools, they have a section of plans and um, different letters that were from Julius Rosenwald to Booker T. Washington and pictures. I'm a little biased because I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. (laughs) I I don't believe, uh, I don't believe until I see it. And so being able to actually show these pictures and uh, snippets of things to my students, they can real time see how it felt to be a, a student in these schools. And I'm thinking in particular, one of the, um, the pictures that I got off of the Library of Congress, they saw the, the smile that was on the students' faces the first day of opening one of these schools up. And uh, we were laughing about, I see most of the time I see you guys in the morning time, y'all frowning and sad and mad and all this good stuff. Yeah because I don't want to get up in the morning. Just think about the happiness and the pride that these uh, kids have for being able to get up in the morning and go to school. And then we talk about the rural concept with it because most of these kids had other responsibilities, right? It wasn't just going to school. After they finished the school day, they had to go out and they were sharecroppers and tenant farmers and help their parents, you know, in the fields and things of that nature. So the Library of Congress has um, great resources Here in the state of Georgia, the Department of Natural Resources, they have a project where they are trying to identify um, Rosenwald schools, and they have a lot of information as well. Um, The University, uh, Fisk University, which is a historically Black college at HBCU, has um, letters and also a lot of ledgers, um, accounting ledgers, that are helping us find and narrow down um, Rosenwald schools. So, uh, but my biggest place that I've gotten um, great documents and great support has been the Library of Congress. Do you have any advice for somebody searching on the Library of Congress's website for the first time? I would probably start off. They have like um, a teacher's tip page um, where you can basically uh, print out. It's like worksheets that'll help you narrow down what you're looking for. But it's very user friendly, I guess, I guess an equivalent to to Google. So, yes, if you put something broad, it's going to give you a million and one things. But between using their worksheets on helping narrowing down the topic, I think it's very easy to find uh, what you're looking for. Also, it also has um, different uh, worksheets and activities on how to actually help the kids analyze um, the, the documents, the primary documents and the different type of primary documents that they have as well. So I guess basically when you have a big idea, try to narrow it down as much as possible is probably the the best thing to do. I would also love to learn a little bit more about your community partner and their role in creating this project. My community partner is the Georgia Historical Society, um, which has some of the oldest um, 
artifacts and uh, primary documents in the state of Georgia. They have been wonderful with helping us and, and our research and actually expand beyond just Rosenwald schools, but looking more into early public rural schools um, and making the connections with the two. Um, they also provided some uh, financial support, which was a happy surprise. Um, <laughs> and I've learned throughout this entire project, I guess, what was the old saying? Uh, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Um, just asking um, her um, their expertise on certain things um, because they have historians as well as educational specialists that I didn't know that I could just reach out and ask, not just on this topic for Rosenwald schools, but other topics um, that I teach that they will help and support me with. Could you describe a little bit the role of teacher, community partner, and student and how those three aspects work together? The interpersonal working together, researching together. Um, my community partner, the Georgia Historical Society, has been great about doing um, virtual activities and explaining how to actually do the research. And just we've been all just working together. We haven't actually physically um, been able because um, my school is located in Augusta, Georgia. Um, the Georgia Historical Society is in Savannah. So we're about two hours away from each other. But we are first of the, the year going to actually go to the archives. And and um, it was funny, Regina, who's who is the actual point of contact. My point of contact was saying that she's going to have the kids use a uh, microfilm. And I was like, the kids? Miss Dixon wants to. I don't. I've never. <laughs> I've never used that before. My kids are looking at me crazy with a CD-ROM, and she's going to pull out microfilm to help us see some of the pictures and things of that nature. So, just interacting, communicating together is kind of the way how we get things done and progressed in this project. Can you please discuss some of the rewards and benefits of completing a public history project? I think the biggest reward is the fact that the kids can actually see what has happened in their community and have a direct connection to people working in their community to make things better. I think that it, it helps the kids to understand and conceptualize that what they do right now has effect in the future. And so I'm hoping that this will begin for them to think that, hey, they can make direct effect and positive change in their community and start coming up with projects and ideas on how they can make the community around them better. Just like people in the past did the same thing for them, they can pass that on for others. Fantastic. And on the flip side, what are some of the challenges of completing a public history project to this scope? My biggest challenge probably, I would say, is making sure that I can kind of stay within the scope of what I'm we're researching as well as financial. We had to pull in the scope and I hate that I felt like I was stifling a little bit some of my kids' critical thinking or, or just passions, but it was like, hey, I want, let's go to this place or that place, but you know, financially I just couldn't. Do you have any advice for other teachers or educators who are interested in creating a similar public history project? My biggest advice is Definitely choose a passion project um, because this does take time on, on top of, you know, your other duties and responsibilities, but it's a, a, a work of love. You know, it, 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 it integrates so perfectly well into what I'm teaching, but it is different from what I've done in the past. 
So I advise you to find something that you're passionate about, that you can align to your standards, and also to make sure to make it fun. Um, a lot of the times my kids who um, are not fond of social studies always think that it's a burden to do research or it's not entertaining to do research. It really is. As we're looking at different videos from the time periods or we're looking at pictures from that time period, I get the kids to do innovative things and think of it like a uh, TikTok uh, post or a Snapchat. Hey, you got this picture right here. If you want to write a snap about this, this picture of these students the first time they're walking into the school, what would it be like, right? So they're analyzing this primary document and having fun doing it at the same time. So please, I, would, I really advise any teacher that wants to do this project to make sure to make it um, as um, interactive as possible and as fun as possible because the kids will learn and they will enjoy doing it. For anyone who's interested in the project or is hesitant to sign up for the project, do it. Um, the time at the University of Oklahoma was great. The camaraderie um, of being able to sit around and talk about public history and social activism was wonderful. And the only complaint I can say it was only a, a weekend. I wish it was more, you know, I wish it was more time, but it was it's a wonderful project and learning about rural history is American history. And I love uh, the, the, the theme and the focus of it. And I feel like, you know, we're on the cutting edge of making sure all of America and American stories are being told. Thank you so much to Louisha Dixon for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process. Stay tuned to hear Louisha Dixon interview two of her students about this project. Why do you think it's important to uh, learn about Rosenwald schools and early um, African-American public schools? Um, so you actually understand the history behind it and like um, the process of like how it happened. Do you think that process of how they were made and how it happened and the people who got, came together to make them, is it important? Yes, ma'am, because that's kind of like how most African-Americans now get to where they are in the school. Through education? Is education important? Yes, ma'am. Why is education important? Because you need education in life. Like, you need to know how to read. And I feel like um, history, you need to know history and math and stuff. You need, you need education in life to get to where you're going. Yes, ma'am. What have you been learning about? Lucy Danny Craft. Okay. Why have you been learning about Lucy Laney Craft? To understand why she started the Black American uh, Public Schools for Children. Do you think this information is important? Yes. Why? Because it led to other school communities. Okay. How could you use this information in the future? To tell other people about it and tell them why it was important. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nchteach.org. This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, the Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur 
via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.